Nice. Hello, High Point Church. How's everybody today? Awesome, awesome. We've been um, in a series and we're talking about great faith. Um, and today I want to ask you a question and then I'm going to have my wife come up and read a passage of scripture. When I ask you the question, I want you to have that in mind as she reads the scripture to you. If you grew up in a traditional church, then you know the Bible would have been read in, a, in, in like a long passage, would be read to you kind of at the beginning of a sermon or, or, or at some point in the service. So you know, have that in mind, but when, you're, when Amy's reading, think about this question and how it relates to you and what the, the answer to that, because that's kind of the, the main point of today. So Amy, come on up. And then here's my question. What produces great faith? Okay, this is Luke chapter 7, if you brought your Bible today. And we're starting in verse 36. Luke chapter 7, 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Thanks, babe. Last week in the offering exhortation, I mentioned this nameless woman and, you know, kind of talked about her faith and her response to um, being forgiven. And what, what we came to was that somebody who has been forgiven much, they will love much. They will, they will extend that. Um, and then the scripture says, someone who's been forgiven little will what? Will, will love little, will extend little forgiveness. Um, and this concept, you know, just kind of 
hit me in the face like, whoa, that is so true. And reading that scripture and listening to this woman's response that she, you know, threw herself at the feet of Jesus, wept and used her hair. I mean, this is indignant. This is, this is you know, shockingly, you know, culturally in, inappropriate. And wiping his, ha- his feet with her hair and crying and then putting oil in. It's just, you know, just such an extreme response and expression of love. And Jesus said, well, no. She's been forgiven. Her many sins have been forgiven. This is how she should respond. This is the natural response to being forgiven much. She has been forgiven such a great debt. Of course she's going to come and throw herself at her. And, and maybe that was her response. But we have to think, what is, what's our response? We, like this woman, unnamed woman, have been forgiven a great debt. We have been forgiven much. That's what the scripture's saying. It's, it's pointing a finger at myself and at you and saying, you have been forgiven much. And if that's the case, what is, what is our natural response going to be? Yes, we need to throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus. And we need to express our love to him. How does that look in a practical way? And I want to jump into that a little today as we keep going. But I'm going to, I'm going to come back to, to a couple verses there. Verse 47 says this. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. And that stuck out to me right there, that that. that interpretation or of, of the scripture there as her great love has shown that when we comprehend embrace you know and own in a sense the the weight of our sin that was forgiven the 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 amount of you know that we needed a savior our great love will be will show that so think of a scale you've got a scale you know if if this is really heavy over here the sin that we comprehend then our love will balance that out how much we love but if we think we've only been we only needed a savior just a little bit we just need a little savior because my sin wasn't that great right then how much is that love going to be it's just going to be a little love to balance that out the, the more we understand the depth of the love of God that was displayed through his ultimate sacrifice on the cross, where, where the great exchange took place, where his, our sin was taken and his righteousness was given, when we understand the depth of that, that scale will be seen in how we love God and love others. Wow. Verse 50 says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And I love this connection there. Straight after, he talks about her sin being forgiven and her response of love. It talks about how her faith 
has saved her. And, you know, there's this incredible connection between forgiveness, faith, and love. And I think it'd be, we have to, we have to make that connection in our own life. That when we, when we grab, grasp the depths of Christ's love and forgiveness and goodness and mercy and grace that has been for, extended to us, that is where our faith, great faith, comes from and is expressed in our life in love. And without grasping what Christ has done, our faith is going to be little. And our love and expression of that faith is going to be little. And so if you struggle with faith, if you struggle with loving others, if you struggle with accepting in God's forgiveness and even loving yourself, this is where it comes from. We have to take a step back and say, okay, what has Christ done for me? What, what was the sacrifice that he's given us? And, and wrestle with that and allow God to show you the depth of his love through his incredible forgiveness of our sin. So what produces great faith? That's what we're talking about today. And number one is an understanding of the depth of God's forgiveness for us. Through an understanding of our own unworthiness and sinfulness and recognition that we need a Savior and what he has done on the cross. You know, the Apostle Paul, he got this. He really understood this. His conversion experience um, where he was, you know, knocked off the, the donkey and the, the Lord spoke to him. Everything changed. There was a complete flip, a complete change in how he saw the world around him. He was, went from the great persecutor of Christians to, you know, the champion of the Christian cause. Um, within a couple years, he, he went from, you know, traveling and persecuting Christians to traveling and taking it as his personal responsibility to evangelize the known world during that time. Um, and... I, I did some research, and it said that he traveled 10, in his, in his probably 20 years-ish of ministry, he traveled 10,000 miles by foot. Like, dang. And boat. There was some boat. There was some, there was some ships involved. This was, they, they estimated this was 280 days of actual, like, on-the-road experience, right? Like, you know, going from place to place, actual travel, not the time he stayed in the places, but 280 days in his three to three missionary journeys plus trip to Rome. 280 days, 10,000 miles, and I think to myself, what drove him? What drove him to do this? You know, I mean, this is extreme. And I was, I was lying in my bed, my, my big, thick, you know, mattress, my memory foam pillow that I, I know I'm one of those people that I occasionally travel, if it can fit, with my memory foam pillow, okay? Because it just is so good to have something where you lay your head and it just kind of wraps around, you know? Um, my flannel sheets, I was enjoying the flannel sheets. You know, the, the, the bed that just kind of conforms to your body. 
And I was thinking, 280 days <laughs> sleeping on rocks or in what, you know, on ships. And yeah, I mean, no thank you. Gosh, I'll take my king-sized memory foam, you know, mattress and pillow. I was just like, what drives this guy, you know, to do what he did? Um, and we, we get, we're going to begin to look at that, but we get a kind of a, a first glance hint um, here in 2 Corinthians. Well, no, sorry, we're going to look at in Galatians. I'm going to look at 2 Corinthians first. My, my bad. So beyond, beyond the traveling, I want to take this to another level of what drives him. 2 Corinthians 11.24, read this with me. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. It's minus one because 40 lashes was known to kill people. So they would, 40 lashes minus one, leave you almost dead. Five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. A night and a day in the open sea. Five times. I mean, after one time being lashed 30, 40 minus 1, 39, okay, I'm throwing the towel in. Like, this evangelizing the known world, you know, that, that's, that's enough. Five times beaten, shipwrecked. I'm thinking, man, what drives this guy? And we know from, you know, his, his prior history that part of this is personality of Paul. Not everybody's called to be a Paul. Paul was already a zealot. Paul was already traveling and, you know, championing a cause, which was to either arrest or kill Christians. He was already going to the extreme this guy. Um, in Acts, it talks about, his, in Acts 2 and Philippians 6, it talks kind of his pedigree, and it says that he was, he was, you know, an accomplished Jew, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was blameless in the law, that he was a pupil of one of the great teachers, Jewish teachers of that time. He was picked as a pupil, and he goes on and on talking about how amazing he is, and he says, I consider that all, you know, rubbish. I consider that all loss for the cause of Christ, but he has this, you know, already, you know, kind of zealous, extreme personality that's there that we see. But five times beaten, left, left for dead. And then to know that that time he was stoned and left for dead outside of the city, he got back up, went back into that city and preached the gospel to those people. That is extreme forgiveness. Immediate, extreme forgiveness because of the love of Christ. Because he understood his forgiveness. Because he understood what Christ had done for him. That he had sinned much. That he had actually been intentionally going against the work of God. And was rescued and transformed. And now he will go to all links to champion the cause of Christ and to preach the gospel. We're not all of as, as extreme as Paul, but we've all been forgiven the same. 
our response cannot be just, thank you, God, and go on with our life. It has to be expressed in some way beyond just a thank you. The woman, the unnamed woman, the way she did it was she threw herself at Jesus' feet and wiped his, his, his feet with her hair. Paul goes to the extreme to evangelize and share the gospel. What, do, what, what is our response? I want to look at and get to the kind of the heart of Paul. What's kind of, you know, what's under the hood? What, where is this motivation coming from? Further beyond just that experience of forgiveness. There's, there, there's more for us to understand, I think. Um, and we're going we're gonna to go through a few scriptures um, and just kind of look at the chron- chronology of how Paul, you know, grew in the depth of love and understanding of who Christ is. Um, and to set kind of that, that stage, I'm gonna, we're going to quickly read Galatians 3. It says, If anyone thinks he is something, he is nothing, and he deceives himself. There's, there's his kind of, you know, kind of base, you know, going into this is that, you know, we, we really don't have anything to offer, to bring to the table, in a sense, beyond what Christ has done for us. Yes, God's given us gifts and talents and, you know, personalities and passions and all of that, but it, we strip all that away and we are, are saved only because of what Christ has done. And if you think you're something, he says you're nothing. And that's the kind of the beginning place. And then we're going we're gonna to go through Christ's early, middle, and late years. It's probably 15 plus years that expands between this first verse and the, the third verse I, I, I'll share. So in 1 Corinthians, this is one of his earliest letters. I think it's his third letter. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, 9 says, For I am the least of the apostles, so he's comparing himself to the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because he wasn't with Jesus, so he's just saying, he's kind of putting it, that out there for everybody, um, because, I, 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 because I persecuted the church of God. So he, he, he recognizes that, you know, he was persecuting the church of God, and that he would be, if, if we were comparing the apostles, he'd be the, the, the least of the apostles. Okay, um, then halfway through his ministry in Ephesians, he says, although I am less than the least of God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. All right, we're, we're, we're seeing a little growth, a little depth in his understanding of his position. And maybe he understood it earlier, but this is, it's just interesting to look at this progression um, over time. And then the third one is to Timothy, which is a later letter written to, um, you know, a disciple of his, a younger um, leader. And he says in 1 Timothy 1.15, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Another says, I am the least. I love that. that. And that should be true for all of us. That as we walk with God over time, we experience him. We, you know, how, how do you know God? Well, you walk with him. You know, how do you know God? You go through trials. You know, how, how do we know God? We, we embrace his love and extend forgiveness. 
You know, this is how we know God, through experience, through living life. And we could see that Paul, as he began to walk with God longer and longer, his depth of love and understanding grew. And his awareness of actually where he fit into this, you know, system. He went from the least of the apostles, you know, all the way down to the worst of sinners. Because he realized that Christ died for all of us. We, we have all fallen so short. And that if we will embrace that, you know, understanding that, man, we need a Savior. Our response to that is the expression of love. Our response to that understanding that we have been forgiven much is to love much, is to give ourselves to those around us, to respond to who God is. 2 Corinthians says this, and this, this really, I think, shows us at the very core of, of Paul and how he, he ministered. He says, Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Christ's love compels us. And when he's, what he's referring to is that, that Christ died on the, on the cross and paid for all of our death. We were dead and we were made alive. We were renewed. We were brought to life. Um, and this is, this is where the picture that we need to, to hold on to when we ask the question, what produces great faith? Is that Christ died for all. And that exchange of our sin for his righteousness is where new life comes from, is where what we live out of. So number one, we have to embrace the depth of the love of Christ displayed for us on the cross. That he exchanged our sin for his righteousness. And that out of that, out of embracing that, understanding that, and fully walking in that, only out of that can we really love and express the love of Christ that has been given to us. Number, number two I'm gonna get to, and this is, I think, where the every day, day in and day out, when we pursue Christ, when we extend forgiveness, when we, you know, share the love of God and, you know, are able to have compassion and love those who are unlovely, day in and day out comes from. Yes, we have to begin with the, the, our faith really is bolstered, and our love is stirred, and we can have an extreme expression in a moment by grabbing hold of what Christ has done. But what sustains us for the long haul, day in and day out, to pursue Christ? What, what compels us when we've been wronged, when we've been hurt, when somebody has offended us to, to forgive? What compelled Paul, when he was left for dead, to stand up and go back in and preach the gospel? 
You know, there's, you know, many of us here who have, have been wronged at times. And we can hold on to that. Because, yeah, we were wrong. We can hold on to that. But what Christ actually commands us to do is to forgive. Which is, which is crazy. Why does he command us to forgive? Well, one, it's important because Christ has forgiven us. But really, God commands us to forgive for us. Unforgiveness just you will eat us internally. You know, it, it, it separates us from God. It, it keeps us from relationships. It not only hurts the person that we don't forgive, it hurts us in all the relationships around us. Unforgiveness will keep us in a cage and will hold us back from living fully what God has for us and will keep us from really being able to love God and love people the way he's called us to. Why is that? Well, we've, we've talked about it, but God has forgiven us much, and we're able, as a response to that, to love much. If we are unable to, for, to, to extend forgiveness, it's like we, we're holding on to what we've got, unable to give it away at all. And in some cases, there are extreme things that have taken place in some of our lives, maybe in your life, that you're, 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 you just can't understand any way of being able to forgive and to extend forgiveness. That there, it just is beyond your comprehension. And you say to yourself, I just can't do it. Yes, God tells us we have to forgive. But he also gives us the grace and the ability to do it. And so what I encourage you today in, is, is to call out to God and say, God, I can't do this. But give me the ability, the strength to begin walking in that, to begin extending forgiveness, to begin unraveling you know, the pain and the hurt and the, 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 what I'm holding on to. God, help me. Show me the extent of what you've forgiven me so that I can, in return, forgive those around me. Help me, God. Just call out to him. Galatians 20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I, I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is where we have to kind of land and embrace, is that our faith is tied to what Christ has done. Yes, and he, his forgiveness and his, the price he paid on the cross, that is where... Our, our deepest motivations come from and, and can cause incredible response. But to daily live, to, to, to 
extend forgiveness over and over again, to walk in grace, we have to go deeper. We have to understand that it is Christ who lives in us. And that only because he is in us can we walk in his grace, in his forgiveness. Can we ex extend his compassion to those around us? Can, can we live this life that he has called us to? So number one, which we, we hit, is understand the depth of what Christ has done for us. Number two is recognize that he lives inside of us and that he empowers us through his spirit to walk day in and day out in, in the power of his grace, in the power of forgiveness, in the power of compassion. When I first uh, came to know Jesus, I immediately, there was, there was huge changes that took place. But I still didn't treat people the way I should. Anybody relate to that? As, and I, I still don't treat everybody the way I should. But <laughs> Darn, okay, where's this going? No. But as I continued to follow Jesus, as I went through difficult times, as, as I saw his faithfulness and goodness, as I embraced who he was in me, I began to be able to extend forgiveness and love and compassion to those around me in a greater way. When we understand this, we begin to hunger for God more. The, we, we have to remember the joy of our salvation. And like Paul, we need to grow throughout in this. We need to grow in our ability to understand the depths of God's love and response to that. So today, if you'd stand with me for a second. I shared two things that I want us to grab hold of. And I think if we do, um, we, I, I think if we do, we will be able to receive the love of God and share the love of God in a deeper way. Number one is that if we will take time and ask God to reveal to us, because it's not just something that just happens. It does happen over time, and it should go deeper and deeper and deeper as we walk with God. But if we will pursue God in this, that we will call out to God and ask him to reveal the depths of his forgiveness in our life, the, the, the sin that he took, the great exchange, and how significant that is, I think that we will be better people. We will be able to treat people around us in a, in a more compassionate and forgive, in, 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 in a forgive, forgive, forgiving, who did that? Thank you, Josh, forgiving way. I think if we allow him to, to stir our spirit there, that when somebody beats us down, if it's verbally, if it's with stones, if it's, you know, through other ways of hurting, if somebody beats us down, that we will get up and go back to them and extend love and forgiveness and say, hey, I, 
I love you, you know, enough to at least come and share God's goodness with you because you're a child of God. I'll, I'll get up and I'll do that. Not because I want to, because Christ's love compels me to. Why the woman went to Jesus? Because she had been forgiven much and she loves much. Number two is that to really walk this out, to really do this consistently, to, to be salt and light to the world around us, which we are called to do, we have to realize that it's not us, but it's Christ in us that is the hope of glory. We have to realize it's not us, but it's Christ who does a great work, transforms us, the, the renewing work of Jesus. That on the cross, he made us new when we accept that by faith. And then he continually renews our spirit because he lives in us and he wants to live through us. If we will grasp those two things, I think we'll be better people. I think we'll treat the people around us in a, in a way um, that glorifies God. So let's pray. I think we all need this. We all need more understanding of who God is and what he's done for us and the depths of his love. And we all need God to work through us and live through us more. Some of you might be struggling with, with unforgiveness. Just, you know, just eating you up inside. Ask God to help. Ask God to come in the middle of that, to bring healing, to bring wholeness, so that you can extend that. Doesn't mean you let somebody go. Doesn't mean it's, it was okay. It means, in Jesus' name, you release them. And you no longer have to hold that inside of yourself. Lord, I thank you for your love, for your goodness, for what you did on the cross. Lord, I do ask, God, that you would, for each of us, only you can do this in our hearts. God, you would reveal to us individually the depth of your love, the depth of your forgiveness. Sometimes we have to see our own sin. God, show us our unrighteousness that you bore on the cross. Lord, I thank you that you live inside of us. God, that your spirit leads and guides us, that really we can do nothing on our own, that you are the one who empowers us to extend forgiveness. You're the one who empowers us to be compassionate to those who need it, um, to love the unlovely. God, it is you in us. God, I pray. Lord, for all of us, that you, you would come and help us. Help us, Lord, live as you have called us to live. Lord, we want to be better people, but God, we want to glorify you. I just want to take one more moment. I'm just waiting on God. I want to take one more moment. If you, you're here, and, and I'm not going to have you come forward, so just relax for a second. If you're here and you have unforgiveness in your life, I think God wants to, wants to deal with that today. If you're, you've just held on to something, 
you, you will not forgive. Maybe it's a, a spouse, a, a friend, a mom, dad, cousin, faceless, nameless person, potentially, that has done you wrong or harm. Just take a second and take your hands and just, just open them up like this and turn them upside down. Everybody can do that. It's hard to hold on to something when you have an open hand. So just, this is kind of a physical expression of hopefully an internal disposition. Just internally open your hand and say, God, come into the middle of this pain. I don't want to hold on to it any longer. I don't want to be squeezing it and holding on to it. God, it's killing me. It's making me sick. It causes me to, to harm others and to treat others wrongly. Lord, I just open my hand and ask you to come in and empower me and help me to extend forgiveness and to walk in grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you all. Have a great week. Go in the power of Jesus Christ um, and allow him to live and work through you. Amen. Amen.